next episode of the Mad, Bad and Downright Strange Showcase where I invite bloggers, filmmakers and fellow film junkies to help me run work through the 1001 film introduction uh, to Cold Snobs Go Cinema that is the Mad, Bad and Downright Strange list. As always, I'm your host, Edward Jones of From the Depths DVD Hell, and allow me to start by congratulating Will of Exploding Helicopter for winning the poll to decide December's vote for the Lamb Movie of the Month, which he won with his selection of Die Hard 2 Die Harder, while once again reminding us to never underestimate the appeal of naked Tai Chi in your movie. Thanks everyone who voted. Uh, well, my own selection, Christmas Evil, will be looked at in a forthcoming old Christmas special here on the podcast, alongside the equally cult Silent Night, Deadly Night. But still, back to tonight's episode, where tonight joining me in the studio this evening is David Holm, the director and producer of the forthcoming documentary, Keishu Gaiden, which aims to showcase the work of various Japanese filmmakers who have continued the tradition of tokusatsu, or special effects movies, while at the same time working with fellow producer Mark Jamilio to catalogue independently made Keishu movies, which still remain relatively still unseen. Uh, welcome to the show, David. Hey, how's it going? Thanks yeah. for having me on. No, uh, thank you for uh, taking the time, because I understand, obviously, at the moment, you're in sort of the midst of editing hell with uh, putting it all together. That's to put it lightly, yes. I, <laughs> uh, tons of tons of footage came back with me from Japan, uh, not just of the uh, interviews, but of the actual films themselves. So uh, myself and uh, fellow editor uh, Jesse Averna have been going through the footage and it's been quite a daunting task, but it's been fantastic. Yeah. I think it's always good when, if you can, like, combine, obviously, what it was, it's obviously a business trip for yourself to go and get these interviews, and you can come away with a pretty decent watch power. I think it's always a good trip. But um, first of all, obviously, for, got to ask for anyone who's not, obviously, aware of your Kickstarter campaign, which you successfully managed to get funding for the documentary. Um, what would you, um, how would you describe what KJ Gaiden is about? So, uh, uh, Kaiju Gaiden is about um, many uh, directors and special effects artists who have kind of kept the art of um, tokusatsu filmmaking alive. And, and tokusatsu can refer to anything that's um, practical effects, and particularly it involves um, miniatures and um, suitmation. So it's, it's really a dying art, and um, I wanted to highlight people who kind of kept the art alive during a period where um, it almost disappeared and then also kind of highlight where it's, because it's kind of coming back. I think, um, you know, being a cult expert yourself, you probably noticed that more people are kind of leaning toward practical film effects now. We're kind of going back in time um, away from CGI a little bit. I think people, there's certain directors, certainly we look at the likes of Guillermo del Toro, who sort of promote the use of practical effects over CGI where possible. Um, I think we've now reached the stage where we've kind of seen CGI and its limitations. Um, and now obviously with practical effects, you obviously get that presence. And this has always been sort of a key thing about the Kaiju movies. Um, and as you said, it is something that is frankly seeing more of a, seems becoming more prominent as more directors are going back to practical effects. Yeah, and um, some of the movies that are actually featured in Kaiju Gaiden, um, you mentioned earlier, they, they, they haven't been seen. Um, some of them were actually considered lost movies, like um, Gamera 4. Weren't necessarily fan productions. They just, for one reason or another, never got released. And um, Mark Haramillo actually got in contact with uh, Shizuo Nakajima, who's the director, and uh, 
things just kind of started out from there. You know, he, he got to know him on a very personal level and uh, they developed a relationship where he said, Hey, you know, you can look at my film and, and uh, to, to his um, surprise and mine too. And I'm sure a lot of fans, it's really good. Like it's really damn good. So um, it just felt like the, the whole lost Godzilla thing kind of came true in the best way. It really is like the Godzilla film that no one's ever seen. It's, um, I've been certainly looking at the, the little trailer that you put on the Kickstarter page when you were obviously raising money for the documentary. Uh, I remember looking at it and I'm thinking, is there a bunch of Keiji movies that I missed somewhere? Because <laughs> obviously you've got the, um, the most prominent sort of image is the giant wolfman. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I cannot remember this this at all. Um, was this Ultraman or when it's, it's I really, just from the footage you have included... It's an intriguing look, and hopefully, uh, as you, cause you've obviously said, there are other, there is other films that haven't been seen before. I mean, is it sort of more of the same we can expect to see with the uh, full-length documentary? Yeah, you're gonna uh, the full documentary. I mean, uh, I was lucky enough to be given the the films, um, and I'm trying to edit as you know as much footage as I can into the film. Um, a lot of people have been asking, you know, where can I see this movie? You know, am I going to be able to watch the full feature? Um, for, for some of them on the special features, you'll be able to watch them in movies. Um, but like, uh, because of this, because I, I pursued making this documentary, um, I think that some of the directors are interested in, in doing their own release, like for Godzilla vs. the Wolfman. So, um, it's one thing that I'll be working on and helping, uh, if at all possible, there could be a release of it. So... I think anything, any sort of new Keiju uh, material that actually gets released can only be something of a good thing. Um, certainly the climate, is, I would feel, is pe- is just about perfect right now. Uh, if we just sort of look at more mainstream sort of Keiju movies, the likes of Pacific Rim and the more recent uh, remake of Godzilla, which is already leading into a trilogy and looking... We're looking at the obviously the rumors that are floating around at the moment. There is a lot of plans to tie it in with King Kong and do um, a remake of Godzilla vs. King Kong again, which would be exciting enough. But obviously, we can get more sort of Japanese kaiju movies coming over because it has to be said the market is very limited at the moment of what you can get released. Uh, is that true about the, the King Kong and uh, Godzilla remake? I keep hearing that too, but I haven't heard anything directly from. Toho or anyone? No, the word from the sort of critical campfire, if you will. Uh, Obviously, at the moment, Legendary are pursuing their Godzilla trilogy. Uh, We've obviously had the first one. The second film, they're going to, from what we hear, they're going to feature Mothra and start to look at things like Monster Island, while the third film will be King Ghidorah. Um, Now, at the same time, Legendary still own the rights to King Kong, and they're producing a series called Skull Island, uh, based around the King Kong franchise. Um, the rumors being at the moment that Legendary are trying to do a sort of Marvel S universe with these two franchises where they do the three Godzilla films and the fourth one would be Godzilla vs. King Kong. Wow. Which would be exciting to see, but as at the moment it's all sort of, sort of uh, whispers and rumors, I think at the moment no one's to commit to anything until they see how this second uh, Godzilla movie sort of fares when that comes out. Yeah, I, I don't blame them. But the first one did well. I mean, mm. I mean, did, what did you think of uh, the likes of Pacific Rim and obviously the uh, new Godzilla movie? I mean, how do you think they sort of compared to to obviously the classic 
uh, character moves that sort of inspired it. You know, it's it's hard it's hard to compare them. To, uh, well, I'll start with Pacific Rim. So Pacific Rim to me, um, I'm trying to remember the movie, but it's actually about robots fighting, and I'm pretty sure Del Toro has quoted it before. But um, uh, it, it it felt more like a, like a robot movie versus kaiju, but I still enjoyed it. Like Pacific Rim is up there in my list. The music was great. Yeah. Uh, the just the monsters were badass. Uh, Everything about it. It had probably one of the best openings of a movie that I've seen in a while, too. And I actually said to my uh, my buddy who I was seeing it with, I said, now I want like a prequel to the movie because I want to know what happened before with the monsters. Like That had the best like five-minute opening to any movie I've, I've seen. Um, I really enjoyed it. Like The only complaint that I had was that there were certain water scenes that were so dark that I was like, Oh man, I want to enjoy this more, but I can't see the screen. Yeah. So that that was like my one complaint with the movie, but I, I thought it was awesome. I think, uh, yeah, I'd be lucky if I was a kid. I would be like creaming my pants if I was in the theater <laughs> that came on. I don't think you even have to be a kid. I think mean, just going into that movie as a big sort of kaiju fan. I mean, as a kaiju fan, I loved it. I'm just saying, yeah. like, I can only imagine as a kid oh, having as a kid, I think like it would just bl- like, <laughs> blow your mind. Blow my mind, like, holy crap, kaiju are awesome. So I, I think there need to be more movies like that. And I'm actually looking forward to Pacific Rim 2 a lot. Mm. So I thought all the uh, the Jaegers were cool, too. Like, I thought they were just badass. If I had to vote one as my favorite, it would be the, uh, the Russian one. I'm so glad you said that, because whenever I say the Russian one, everyone, like, sort of... Uh gets on gets on my case about it because it's not the most sleekest one it's just this big clunky sort of machine no it's like steampunkish i love it yeah and i think that the fact that it doesn't even have while the others have like these realistic sort of helmet sort of cockpits um it's sort of like just a big dome that it has instead it's just designed purely for brute force it's not designed to look pretty it just goes out and does its job but um i i you know it was, there's a lot of interesting ideas and i think if he does it well, I think it will be an interesting trilogy to see how it sort of plays out. Um, at least in sort of ties us over while we still wait Hellboy free, at least. Yeah, no, I and I think I, and Godzilla I really like too, but to me it was like um, I think I think what fans don't realize is it's kind of like uh, like a cock tease. Like Godzilla's in the movie, but he's kind of like teasing you. Yeah, you know he's like behind the curtain, like hee hee, I'm over here. And then for like you have to put up with this, you know, this nonsense for a while in the movie. But then it you, it gets a payoff in the end, like when when his tail lights up and he, uh, you know, shoots off the nuclear bat blast. It was just awesome. I remember the theater was crap, you know, clapping and everyone was just like losing their losing their shit. So I mean, I to me it's still a Godzilla movie. It's just more of like a tease as what what's to come. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. I mean. It, I know a lot of people were relieved it wasn't anywhere near as bad as the 98, which, again, I I kind of liked. Um, I enjoyed it more when the 98 version of Godzilla showed up in Godzilla Final Wars and got beaten up. Yeah, I'd say that was a better appearance of it. But, um, yeah, as I said, it's, a, it's an interesting opening to what will hopefully be another good trilogy there. But, obviously, getting back to your documentary here, um, <laughs> I mean... What was sort of your inspiration? I mean, for obviously wanting to hunt down these movies. I mean, was it just the fact that you're obviously just a kaiju fan and wanted to sort of explore this sort of smaller sub genre uh, uh, of the main main thing? 
that's a good that's a good I've actually haven't been asked that yet um, you know actually the, the inspiration comes from so the, the way I kind of go about film is I kind of go really deep into a genre and when I say deep I mean you kind of watch like what's recommended at first and then you kind of get you find the cult and then you go even deeper into that and I think the way to explain it is like before I was watching a lot of slasher films uh, about three years before a lot of uh, you know Argento, Baba, things like that that are actually on your list of 100 cult films which is a fantastic list by the way oh, thank you. Um, and you just you keep you keep finding these movies and then you reach a point where you then find movies that uh, are lost or are rumored and for me, I'm a little obsessive about it, and it becomes like a uh, like a hunt for me. Like I really enjoy it, like looking up the directors and finding who did the special effects. Um, and and so around, I'd say pro- around that time, actually, it was probably more than three years ago. So that was probably six years ago. I was on like Italian horror, but then three years later, I jumped back to like kaiju movies. Yeah, and um, I just I just started like finding out more and more and I remember I was watching like um I can't remember what movie it was I, I had already seen you know all the Godzilla movies years before um I remember I saw a movie called War God it was like a Chinese kaiju film and I, I, I found it somewhere on the internet and it was so good and I actually got my brother there and he was translating it for me and helped me figure out what was going on and then I just became obsessed, and I said, "Well, what else is there?" And uh, th- this guy, you know, Mark Haramillo, was on uh, on Facebook, and he was like, "There was like maybe one or two likes," and he was talking about, "I'm like, this guy's talking about the Wolfman versus Godzilla." So I'm 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 kind of losing my shit, and I start writing him, and we we start talking about the movies, and uh, I just become friends with this guy. And I'd always wanted to do a movie where I talked about lost films. It was always something that I'd wanted to write. And uh, I'd written other scripts, but you know, realistically, I, I couldn't make them just yet because uh, Kaiju Gaiden is actually my first movie. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it just kind of it kind of spun off there. So I wrote the script uh, and then uh, went. Mark invited me to G-Fest and uh, I helped him out a little bit there and got to meet the director. And then in January, I, I presented him. Uh, with what I had, and and we kind of developed a, a timeline together, and uh, yeah, it just it all spun off from there. I have to say it's quite. While you're obviously saying that you had scripts there, it's still an ambitious plan that for your first film that you're going into sort of the deepest, darkest uh, areas <laughs> of Japanese filmmaking. Um, obviously, because it's not the sort of thing that you can just sort of go down to like your local sort of. Uh, video trader and sort of find these tapes you've obviously went over to japan and sort of hunted down the directors and got films directly from them yeah mark mark armill actually um had contacted um shizuo nakajima years before and and built this relationship um even before i met him um but then when mark got me involved and i actually went over in january of uh oh man i guess it was i can't even remember if it was this year or the year before but um i went either way it was like went over there on my birthday. I uh, I basically you know bought myself a plane ticket, went over, and uh, you know we worked on some of the movie together, coming up with the title. But he also showed me a huge collection of movies, some of which I had seen and some of which I hadn't. And 
Um, in that collection was actually um, Raiga. Um, in that collection was also um, like snippets of Gamera 4. Um, and, you know, he just said, you know, he just presented me with so many movies that I sat there all weekend saying, okay, well, I want to interview this director or, well, let's interview this one. And um, then over the year, kind of coming up with questions I would want to ask them and trying to build like a, a timeline. But uh, it, it was definitely a hunt. Um, one of the directors he actually showed me, um, we didn't even know about. Um, his name is Masahiko Kato. And uh, he actually uh, made a lot of the fan movies too. So he did a movie called Atragon 2. Um, he did a movie called Zeron, which is like unofficially uh, Rodan 2. Um, I, did, I did air quotes just now when I said Rodan 2. So. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it was just kind of like, and, and these guys are extremely talented. A lot of these directors worked uh, for Toho or were part of, were friends with all the people who did special effects. So it's really like a, a tight knit community. So um, everyone, everyone who was a part of this project was really like uh, really eager to help us and, and get the word out there about their movies. Yeah, it's, it's still always nice to see when the community does come together like this. Um, obviously, you were saying that you met met Mark through the sort of fan community and that. Um, I mean, is there anyone else in sort of the fan community that you sort of called in or is it sort of like just yourself and Mark sort of uh, hunting these things down? Um, so the people I approached were uh, Matt Frank and Jeff Zorno, who both do um, art for uh, IDW on the official Godzilla comic. And I've always been a fan of, of both of their art. And I just said, you know what? I got to contact these guys because I know I know they were into the project and they were more than more than happy to help me. And uh, the posters are awesome. If, if, if people haven't seen them, you can go to the uh, Kickstarter or you can even check um, uh, our Facebook page or KaijuGuiden.com. I mean, the art is just amazing that these guys did. Um, yeah, it's um, I especially like the poster B, um, which obviously make more sense when you go into the Kickstarter page, you will can, um, underneath this podcast, there will be a link uh, that you can obviously click and check out this uh, really cool artwork. But uh, you said they're obviously doing the comic with I IDW at the moment. Um, and I'm right in saying that's Godzilla Rulers of Earth, is that right? Uh, yep, Rulers of Earth. I have the uh, the hardbacks, and I know they're, they're still coming out with issues. So um... I know it's... It it's something that I've uh, obviously seen because uh, at the moment IDW are also doing uh, the X Files season ten um, as well to sort of mixed acclaim. Obviously, you said already that you had the guys from uh, IDW who've been doing the artwork. Obviously, looking on the list of people involved, it is an impressive list of people you've got. You've also got uh, Robert Scott is involved with the yes, um, yes, Robert Scott is amazing. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm just completely fanboying out on this side here. But uh, for anyone who doesn't know who Robert Scott is, uh, Robert Scott was in probably one of the best Godzilla movies ever made, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, where he turned up as Android M11. I mean, how did you get uh, someone like Robert Scott involved with uh, your project, really? I could ask. Um, I, I think some people heard about my project and were interested to help. And um, I got to know uh Robert Scott through uh, G Fest actually, and okay. he was um, this is a great guy to talk to, um, very knowledgeable, and and me and him were kind of on the same page about what I wanted to do with this project, and um, 
Yeah, so Robert Scott is actually writing a book right now. Um, he's working on it that's going to kind of talk about a lot of the stories and behind the scenes. I mean, is this something you think that's actually going to make it over to sort of Western audience? Is it going to be like a Japanese-only release? I, I don't know. He hasn't. He only told me a little bit about the details, but he said he didn't want to spoil any of the secrets. Yeah. Uh, you know, behind his book. Um, so uh, he he told me a few stories, uh, and I'm sure he'll include some from Kaiju Guide in there because uh, there were definitely a lot of things that happened on the trip and uh, a lot of behind the scenes that uh, which will be talked about on the uh, on on the actual release. So. Um, <laughs> it's uh, quite a good time. Oh, it's always good. Um, I mean, really, what you've obviously talked a bit about the the films and obviously the documentaries. Uh, that so the films there and obviously the filmmakers themselves uh, that are obviously involved in making these these sort of films. I mean, is this sort of a genre that's sort of uh, more sort of based in the past, or are people actually still making these films at the moment? So. I'd say that less people are making them now. Um, one of the one of the uh, gentlemen that we interviewed, he was he's actually a student right now of Osaka Arts University, and at Osaka Arts University, they actually have a program um, just designed a, uh, per request of him, where they brought in some of the directors who worked on previous Tokusatsu f- films, and um, they basically let him create his own kaiju tokusatsu movies um it was really like a a a really cool environment to be in because i I think everyone who's in the uh, film industry over there wants to preserve and and keep these uh traditions alive with movie making um we actually interviewed someone else um uh kiyotaka taguchi he uh also worked on uh, works on many of the Ultraman episodes, and he also did work for the um, Pat Labor series, uh, Pat Labor: The Next Generation. Okay. So it, it's not that that people have stopped working on them; it's that uh, they're maybe not in the mainstream anymore, uh, you know, due to the changing fan base in Japan. Yeah. But it seems like fans, you know, in the United States and Europe. And uh, even South America have really been like clinging on to like kaiju movies, especially as of recent. It seems that the fan base has actually grown. So, yeah. I mean, certainly comparing how the two sort of audiences uh, view uh, the kaiju genre as a whole, I mean, would you say that these films have a higher level of respect over in in Japan than they do? Uh, than they're obviously viewed by Western audiences. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a, a, a funny thing. Um, I think if there's not like a giant robot battling a kaiju or like s- some sort of mecha, then the Japanese audiences maybe don't care as much. Yeah. I'm not going to say don't appreciate it, but I'm saying that, you know, maybe it's kind of gets overlooked. Um, whereas here, there, there seems to be a real desire i know myself included where it's like oh there's more kaiju movies that i haven't seen well here's my wallet like you know (laughs) you know it's it's definitely a a change um from how it used to be where i'm sure it seems like previously maybe like 20 30 years ago it would have been the opposite where there really was 
a smaller fan base in around the world and Japan was kind of like the central area but it seems there's kind of like a shift right now and it's certainly interesting as we've mentioned before you've got like uh, Guillermo del Toro who obviously is a self-confessed fan of the uh, genre and if anyone who's seen Pacific Rim I would say it's blatantly clear how much he actually loves these films um, and certainly when I spoke to a few years back I spoke to uh, Raihei uh, Katamura who directed Versus, and he would also direct the last sort of Japanese Godzilla movie, uh, Godzilla Final Wars, about ma- directing the film. And he said that it was the same, sort of carried with it the same sort of weight that a British director would feel directing a James Bond movie, uh, mm-hmm. that a Japanese, uh, the Japanese uh, directors feel about direct- getting the opportunity to direct a Godzilla movie. Um, and it was really quite startling because over here, especially in the UK, the Godzilla movies, especially the earlier ones, um, they're sort of seen as this sort of ropey, sort of uh, cheesy fun. Uh, giant monsters is basically having these smackdowns and destroying Tokyo. Um, <laughs> and certainly in Japan, they just seem to have a different level of respect for these films. They're viewed as sort of serious films to an extent. Um, I wouldn't say that you can like look at films like Destroy Monsters mm. and call it serious mm-hmm. filmmaking, but um, they certainly view, view them with a higher level of respect than probably the kind of seen by the most audiences over here in uh, in the UK and I would say America as well. I, I think it comes from the the deep appreciation into into what goes in to the actual works. Um, there seems to be a, a fascination with miniatures in Japanese culture. I mean, these not not just in movies, just in general. There's uh, something that's like really detailed and small. Is is just it's like an art over there that they take it to a whole new level when they work on some of these miniatures and sets. Um, it's it's kind of why I I consider it like a Japanese uh, you know art form uh, or a uh, you know movie uh, effects. It's 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 more specialized in Japan because they've had years and years of just people passing on their techniques. And the details keep getting better and better. Um, even even the suits, though know, the suits over there are amazing. And uh, it's just a shame that you know, some of them before. I mean, you talk about caring though, but even though they used to put a lot of detail and work into these suits, you know, they threw out a lot of the suits and special effects back in the day. You know, when Toho was done with a the film, they would say, ah, oh, you know, we did. It was done. It filmed. Uh, these are going to the dump, yeah. which is kind of like mind-blowing to think about. So, I, I always find it amusing that obviously the, the fact that they throw them out and you think that these are now considered like treasured items, or they would just repaint them and like use them on Ultraman. Um, there's a classic uh, episode of Ultraman where he's battling basically the Godzilla suit from, um, I believe it's Son of Godzilla, the suit that they actually use, and they put like a yeah. spider collar. On it and gave it this really horrible paint job. But now you would obviously think that, especially to a lot of Kaiju fans, that the fact that it would be kind of sacrilege to throw these things out. But yeah, it's unfortunate the way uh, the early sort of years of filmmaking go. Unfortunately, um, right, right. I mean, obviously you talked about a bit earlier about um, films from outside of Japan. Um, I mean, obviously when I'm thinking because there are. And films that were made outside of the Japanese filmmaking uh, sort of circuit. There, uh, you've got things like the North Korean Pulgasari, 
uh, yes. which was uh, <laughs> Kim Jong-il's, one of his few attempts at uh, directing. Um, and Wait, so, did he? I don't know. Did he direct it? I know he. I believe he. From what I gather, um, he actually kidnapped uh, and the director to teach him filmmaking techniques, being right. having one of the largest film collections in the world, um, and being because it's a good film. It is a good film. There's a lot. Of, <laughs> a lot of people get caught up in the communist undertones, though, um, and it is. A, it, again, as you said, it is a really good uh, kaiju movie. Um, yeah. It's just also one that happens to be associated with a North Korean dictator. <laughs> Which, I don't know if that's part of its appeal, but uh, it, it is certainly worth checking out, checking out if you haven't seen that one already. Um, I mean, is this something that you would like to do for like a follow-up uh, to Kaiju Gaiden to sort of look at the more international sort of Kaiju uh, movies? We, we, we have, actually. Myself and Mark have a whole list of movies I'd like to continue. Um, and, you know, depending on how things go for the first Kaiju Gaiden for, uh, I, I mean, I know the Kickstarter got funded. Um, we were a little short of, of some of the, um, of some of the stretch goals we wanted to re- reach, but, uh, depending on how it does throughout, um, 2015, um, we'll probably start working on the next film. Um, because, uh, you know, we've, we've already started tracking down, more directors and getting more information. Um, it's a little bit different because when you deal with something outside of Japan or the States, um, the, I would say that the preservation of some of these films tends to go down even further. Um, and, and in some cases it becomes, uh, half the story is just finding the films themselves. Um, we're not even sure if some of them exist, um, but yeah, the, the list is, is, is quite large and, and I hope to be able to announce some of it soon. Cause we would like to do like online videos, uh, that'll be like available through the Facebook and, and website soon. Yeah. I mean, obviously if people want to follow, um, sort of any developments and updates for, uh, the film, where's uh, the best places for them to get their updates from? Um, kaijuguiden.com and the Kaiju Guiden Facebook page are great. Um, I personally post a lot on the Tumblr, um, so just every now and then, maybe I'm working on something, or I want to like maybe tease something that we have. I'll, I'll probably post on there. Um, and and now that we actually um, just had Thanksgiving, so now I'm gonna have like a lot of stuff that I'll be posting probably uh, every day. Um, and you know, I, I'm I'm. I also respond. I get a lot of questions on there, so that's also one of the better places to respond to me on. Um, but yeah, those are those are great. And Twitter too, we do have a, a Twitter page also at Kaiju Guide. Um, great. I mean, certainly, I for one am looking forward to uh, seeing the seeing the uh, finished film and then obviously trying to uh, expand my knowledge of the Kaiju genre. And certainly, if you want to obviously see the see some tease footage uh, the kickstart page is still open so you can see obviously uh your trailer to raise funds for their film which does include some very tantalizing footage on there so i would recommend you uh check that all out as well as uh the other pages that david mentioned um before we obviously take a break i just want to just quickly uh, get to know a bit more about your obviously taste i mean you obviously mentioned about your love of uh slasher movies and uh certainly the kaiju genre i mean Obviously, with Christmas coming up uh, around the corner, I mean, are there any sort of films that you like to dig out for your festive viewing? 
Festive viewings during Christmas. I mean, you mentioned Silent Night, Holy Night at the beginning of the of the or Silent Night. I think there's like five Silent Night movies, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, Silent Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> yeah, um, which I haven't even watched all of them, so I might give that a go. I think I watched the first two, um, but uh, yeah, no, I I don't know. Other than that, I'm not sure if there's too many like festive movies. Um, I've still been doing a lot of research for Kaiju Gaiden, um, and actually I've been watching a lot of um, uh, black exploitation movies. So I, I really love everything in in every genre. But I kind of, like I said, it's not it's not a healthy healthy thing, but I get obsessive. So um, lately, it's been uh, when I've had time, I've been kind of watching some Chinese kaiju movies and diving deeper into that genre. And when I have time, uh, watching black exploitation. So, yeah, exploitation's there. Another personal favorite genre of mine. I think there's so many <laughs> interesting films within the genre. Um, obviously, you've got the lot of black exploitation and uh, sort of horror films like Black Frankenstein and Blackula. You've got a lot of great actors who came up through there, like uh, Fred Ward and obviously uh, the lovely Pam Grier. Oh yes. Um, who is probably the most kick-ass woman in all of cinema, I would say. Uh, if anyone who's uh, seen either the likes of uh, Foxy Brown or Coffee um, can probably attest to that. But I uh, challenge anyone to name a feistier woman in cinema than Pam Grier. It's hard. Yeah, I actually just got the uh, the Soul Cinema Collection uh, a little while ago, which includes the the Blackula one that you mentioned. Yeah. But it includes like Hell Up in Harlem and uh, the Hammer series. So I'm uh, currently watching that and. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it's one of those movies that if you have a bunch of friends over, and sometimes, sometimes uh, it's it's hard to get all the friends to enjoy something. But I noticed those, those films never fail. Everyone has a good time. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's the problem. If you're trying to show genre movies to people who aren't familiar with the genre, um, it can be kind of an uphill struggle. Um, I mean, is there any sort of film you would say that you sort of return to the most? At all? In in the specific oh, exploitation genre. Any particular general. film in general that you say that you constantly keep returning to? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's a huge list. But I will say that the, the film we're going to talk about today is something that when I want to introduce friends to kaiju, it's the movie I put on. Always. 100% of the time. Um, and finally, I mean, what would you say is the last film that you saw that like blew your mind? That blew my mind. Um, wow. Um, let's see. I did watch, uh, like I said, I was watching some black exploitation. So I watched um, uh, Hell Comes to Harlem, or, or sorry, Cotton Comes to Harlem, which is a great movie. And uh, I watched Slaughter. So that was pretty good. Uh, I haven't watched the sequel to Slaughter, but Slaughter was a great movie. It's like a classic movie, and I was really surprised. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's so many movies that blow my mind. And if anyone has recommendations, I always I always look forward to them. Right now I have like a three-page recommendations. And I even took some off of your list because I'm like, oh, I need to watch this. But That's always good. I mean, the whole point of the list is to provide people with that sort of um, starting point because cult cinema as a whole is just such a dense beast. Um, and yeah. the problem is that a lot of cult sort of cinema fans are so frenzied that they're just like real off the most obscure and 
sort of out their titles when ever given the chance to recommend anything. So obviously the idea with the list was to give people ideas to start from and then they could obviously go from there and warp their mind in whichever direction they chose to take it. So it's uh, always nice to hear that people actually like it. So, But um, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we return, we're going to be looking at tonight's film, uh, which of course is the kaiju classic, Destroy All Monsters. Oh, yeah. On the Simplistic Reviews podcast, we talk movies. We talk TV. We talk... Hello, Julie, what the heck are you doing? Trying to make our spots sound more exciting by adding explosions. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could have got the point across with sound effects, not the real thing. Download the show on iTunes or at simplisticreviews.blogspot.com. I'm sure your insurance company will cover that. No, they won't. No, they probably won't. Okay, and we're back. Um, as of tonight's film selection we're going to be looking at is the Kaiju classic Destroy All Monsters. Um, known in Japan as March, Attack of the Marching Monsters. Um, for anyone who's not familiar with the film, it basically sees Godzilla and uh, the other monsters from the Kaiju uh, back catalog owned by Toho, rounded up and placed on Monster Island where they can live in peace and uh, not endanger the local population of Tokyo with their usual antics. Um, at the same time, the captain uh, Yamabe uh, and his crew of the spaceship Moonlight SY3 have just returned to, returned to Earth only to find the monsters of Monster Island have now mysteriously disappeared and been used to target cities around the world. Um, this is, as you said before, when we were going into this, this is a film that you obviously use as your introduction to people who are sort of starting out in the kaiju movies. Um, what is it about this movie that appeals to you so much? Um, it appeals to my inner child, honestly. This is this this was my Christmas uh, when I was a kid. Um, you know, every monster appears in me that I loved from Toho and. In watching it now, the pacing in the movie is actually good. It it probably has one of the more uh, enjoyable storylines. I mean, a little bit silly, but I, I just love. There's there's I have nothing bad to say about Destroy All Monsters. It's just a blast. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's it is obviously when you look at it, you can see that it's of its time. So obviously aliens and space travel. In this case, the aliens in question are the Kalax. Um, oh. a race of mind-controlling aliens which in their true form resemble uh, kind of badly animated slugs <laughs> I like to think of them as uh, sexy space nuns actually <laughs> um, obviously um, at this point in the series Toho they were getting ready to put the whole series into mothball they felt that it had sort of run its course and that no one wanted to go and see them um, the film, of course, had the complete opposite effect and went on to become one of the most popular films in the series and carried the film on, really, for sort of the next 50 years. Um, and as you mentioned already, pretty much any monster within the Toho back catalogue is featured in this movie. We've not only got Godzilla, we've also got Rodan, Mothra, um, as well as sort of lesser-known monsters, like we've got Baragon from Frankenstein Conquers the Road. For uh, like two or, seconds he's in there. Pardon? He's like in there for two seconds, though. It's like yeah, I know. <laughs> it, probably <laughs> upselling these monsters a lot more than they're in there. But uh, we have got Gorosaurus, who was in King Kong Escapes. Um, we've also got like Varan. Again, he's in it for like five seconds from Varan the Unbelievable. 
Um, but it's nice to see all these monsters. It, it is true that basically the Toho bosses have gone, well, we've got all these monsters, let's just put them in this one film. I think the only monsters who don't appear is obviously King Kong, uh, the Toho version, or Robo Kong. Yeah. Kum- Kumonga appears, though. Does he? Did I miss yeah. Kumonga somewhere in this? Oh, is Kumonga... it the, gi- the giant spider? The giant spider, yeah. You see, this is the problem because uh, obviously Kumonga, I believe on the American dubs is obviously what it's called. Well, over here on the English, um, so the UK dubs, um, is known as Spiger. I think they say Spiger, yeah. Spiger, they say, because I've heard the American dubs and they do say Spiger. <laughs> so I, I was in the name, I thought there was like kind of a monkey uh, costume that I missed somewhere in this movie. So, um, but. One of the interesting things is that it does feature all four of the Godzilla fathers. We've got uh, producer Tom, uh, Tomiyoka Tanaka, uh, director and absolute legend of the genre, uh, Isho Holder. Uh, we've also got the special effects genius, uh, Isho Tetsubura, and um, providing the soundtrack again is Akira Ifukubia. Akira Ufukube, yep. Thank you. I do apologize if I butchered any of those <laughs> Japanese names. Um, but again, we've got the four main players within the Godzilla franchise just coming together for like the final time, really. Um, and it's just, it is an absolutely exceptional film. Yes, it looks a little cheesy now with some of the action and that. But as you said, it's a great story, it's got great pacing, um, and you get to see a lot of great monsters finally together. I mean, yeah, you'll get no complaints from me. Yeah, the storyline from the moment it starts, you know, they're like, you have this announcer coming on and he's like, all the monsters are in Monsterland. And, you know, he's like teasing, you know, you just see, there he is, like, he's like, as almost like it's a trailer to like a theme park. And there's Godzilla. And you hear him like roar. And like, when I, even now to this day, like a part of me just gets like a little cheery inside and I'm just, I can't stand. I can't resist but the smile because it's just like I want to go to Monsterland. I think that's every kaiju <laughs> fan's dream. Is this if this was a real park, I would I would live there. I would try the hardest I could to like become like a worker there. Yeah, we don't we don't go to Jurassic Park. We want to go to Monster Island. That's clearly the the cool the cool destination to go. But um, yeah. I, I I mean even though it's essentially a MacGuffin. It is a, such a well-put-together idea, the fact that you have all the monsters there and that they use uh, sort of like the radio shields to stop Rodan flying off and sort of smoke uh, to stop like Mothra and Godzilla sort of wandering off as well. Um, and even though it's, it's just this little simple introduction, it, is, it just sells the idea really well of and how they could have all these monsters in one place and obviously makes it a lot easier for the, the clack to steal them. But um, it it is as you said it is uh, clearly the place we all want to go on vacation. Oh yes, there's definitely design flaws uh, with the uh, with the facility. Um, the fact that you know from the beginning of the movie they get gas. Like why are there gas chambers in the facility? That <laughs> like doesn't make any sense. There's giant monsters, but like. They're, they're, they're like it's almost like they they designed it so that if someone took over the island, they could gas the chamber. Like it was a poorly designed uh, facility, but you know so was Jurassic Park, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <laughs> actually I never even thought about it until you just mentioned that. Now, 
Um, but I just love him that his oh, when we obviously uh, meet Captain uh, Yamabe, his first conversation that he has with his uh, his girlfriend is, "I feel sorry for Godzilla," which <laughs> which I don't know is much of an opening conversation to have with your girlfriend, but. Well, yeah, he's, 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 he basically says, like, oh, I was expecting to talk to Godzilla, not you. Like, how's he doing? Like, <laughs> what a great guy. <laughs> but um, I love the fact that even though it's uh, the spaceship Moonlight SY3, it's supposed to be a spaceship, but it's, it has the amazing ability of also being able to use it as a plane. Like, Earth's gravity doesn't affect it at all. Like, you can fly anywhere in the world or go into space with this amazing craft. But, um, yeah, it's... Uh, Obviously, it's a more globe-trotting adventure, I would say, than the normal traditional Godzilla movies. As we do also see Godzilla attack New York, um, and we also see uh, Rodan take out Moscow. So, I mean, did you think it was it sort of shook it up a bit to have a, have somewhere else other than Tokyo just being destroyed? Well, I thought it was great, and I love in the. Um, I, I don't remember if they did it in the um, Japanese version, but in the the UK dub, they have uh, like. The announcers, like when Paris gets attacked by Gorosaurus, they have like the, oh, Paris are now being attacked by the monster. So, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's great. Like, I love, you. I love it. It like puts you in the moment. Uh, you get this real feeling like the Earth's about to get completely destroyed. Um, and I, I think that just hooks you into the storyline because, you know, even though for like the thirst, the first... The first 30 minutes is like build up to the movie. It's just the monsters get out of control. No one really understands why, but it, it sets up the story so well. But um, obviously, as the film goes on, we do find that, as you said, the monsters are being con- being controlled. Uh, in this case, it's through uh, mind control. Um, the locations, though, I have to say, are kind of sporadic, as we find one in like a stream in the most remote mountain possible. And the other, the actual mention was hidden in a coconut on a pretty deserted beach. I mean, do you think that they actually had any idea, any sort of like plans with these locations, or was it just the fact they had a bunch of slides of these places? Um, yeah, that's a really good question because there was only like four slides, and they just like indicate where it was with like a white arrow, <laughs> and then you're just kind of like, as the viewer, you're just supposed to be like, "All right, that makes sense. That was great science," and uh, you just kind of like nod your head, but. Uh, the movie just keeps right on rolling, so you're not gonna like sit there and like question it. Like the scientists did their job, so back to the spaceship. <laughs> As I said, it, there never seems to be any sort of purpose. Whenever they seem to be flying things, they just sort of like, oh, we'll go to this location. It just happens to be the right location. Um, there is a lot of it, it is kind of brave in the fact that it does take a lot of leaps of faith into. It gives you the most basic plot points, and then you sort of fill in the gaps yourself. Um, yeah. But it never seems to take anything away from the film. And I don't know if it's because we're so distracted, the fact that we've got all these great monsters. Um, I mean, we've got the return of one of my all-time favorites, Angulus, who at this yeah. point hadn't been seen since Godzilla Raids uh, again, uh, which he actually got killed in. So he miraculously resurrects himself as, I don't know, like a Keiju Jesus or something. <laughs> he he gets wrecked in the film though. I'm just gonna. I don't want to spoil anything too ahead, but out of out of usefulness, he he gets completely owned later on. But I I just had to interject with that. That I'm glad to see him, but he didn't help in the fight at the end of the movie. But we'll we'll get to that later. <laughs> I mean, obviously, when there is 
with so many sort of monsters, I mean, I mean, does it add to it the fact that we get more sort of monsters than we would in sort of like uh, any of the other films and series where you have like maybe three or four monsters max, and here we're looking like eight monsters at a time. I don't know though, but look at Final Wars. Like Final Wars has more monsters, and to me, this it's it's not that there are more monsters. Like there's more monsters in Final Wars than there is in Destroy All Monsters, but it's something about this film is just fun. I mean, that's why you overlook minor, maybe like, it's not even like plot holes. It's just like simple writing. Like, Oh, there's a transmitter and a coconut, but like you laugh it off because the film is just, it's not that you're distracted. You're just having a good time. Like this film is never, it doesn't really have a down point. Um, to me at least like, that's why I enjoy it. So, and you get to see, I, I mean, the, the real thing is, is this movie is like, has the biggest payoff at the end. I mean, that's that's really what you're waiting for at this movie. Is you know, you know something's gonna go down. Like all these monsters are together. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I can I can tell you pretty much jumping in the bit, David. And we do include spoilers in this podcast. Um, obviously, with the oh, if no one's if someone if someone hasn't watched this movie, they actually need to pause this and go watch the movie and then come back. There, this is actually probably the essential kaiju movie to see. Yeah. Um, for those of you who have seen it, um, uh, though the obviously the climax being that we have the monsters come together to fight uh, probably I would say the biggest evil within the Toho universe, uh, King Ghidorah, um, who uh, dies for the I would say is this the first time that uh, Ghidorah's died? Because I would say this one and obviously in uh, Godzilla vs King Ghidorah, uh, he also dies again. Um, and gets his head blown off. I mean, yeah, he dies, but, you know, they always say that. They say they summoned him in the movie, so. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean obviously with this one, I was kind of a little upset that we don't see Gigan. And I think Final Wars, in a way, goes to make up with that, because obviously Gigan appears um, at the end of Final Wars um, in a sort of Mark II version, if you will. Yeah, I'm... I mean, I wasn't disappointed. I mean, King Ghidorah gets his shit kicked in, so uh, it's uh, you know, it's like the greatest reward because here comes the biggest like villain of you know the uh, the Toho universe, and they just they they just beat him down. That's the only way to it's it's just a, a royal rumble. It's the world star of of kaiju movies. Yeah. Um, um, obviously, uh, the, there's a, the one particular moment within that final sequence where uh, the, I'm not sure who's uh, doing in the suit for this particular one for Godzilla, but perhaps they get a little overexcited um, as they grab one of uh, King Ghidorah's heads and they just slam it down so hard it bounces. Um, and every time I see that, and since it got pointed out to me, I just can't help but crack up whenever I see that. Oh, it's great! It's great! I love it. And they and they like stomp on him like he's getting murdered like you basically watch a kaiju get murdered and i, I always love how um uh I'll, i guess i'll say is it spy does the uk spiga. the, the inter- spiga yeah um so spiga and mothra like they shoot their um their spray out like their webs and uh <laughs> at the end though it's like totally unnecessary like they did it a second time and this monster i mean king Ghidorah is 
dead. Like he he is deader than dead. And it's like it's almost at that point it's like confetti. So every time I think of it, it's like the confetti web. And you see like Godzilla and like Minya just like, oh yeah, we did it. Like they're partying. Um, it, it, it's it's the best moment ever. And and the and the oh, another time I lose it is when um, Minya does the little nuclear puff cloud, and and destroys the one head. Oh, I hate so. that. Hey, that little sod. He just to me, uh, Minion just is all that's wrong with the Sharoa series. Oh, I I love my little show, Minya. So he um, the fact he looks like Grey Lumpy Mash, and they didn't get a better costume between this film and Godzilla um, and Son. From they just sort of thought, oh, well, that that costume went. Um, and in Godzilla Final Wars, so interesting, they brought this this suit out again. They didn't use the um, sort of the later suit that we obviously saw in like uh, Godzilla vs. Space, Space Godzilla right. and she went with the old school suit and it's really strange because in that scene we've got a guy with a gun and we don't use it it's a little odd but <laughs> I, I I can't hate on the little guy because you know that's another one of my uh, son of Godzilla is it, it's actually that movie gives me the feels like I, I legit love that movie especially for like the end scenes yeah. Um, I know Minya is annoying to a lot of people, and, and even me sometimes. It's like, are are you serious right now, Minya? Like, are you a are, are you a goat? Like, I, I don't understand. Like, but he's just he's just an adorable little creature, and he's the son of Godzilla. I mean, he's still a badass. You know, he's gonna grow up and kick some ass one day. So you you can't hate on the king's son. It's um it's an interesting relationship. But I, again, this is probably one of the better. Godzilla parenting moments that he has because in Godzilla vs. Son he's very sort of like uh, he threatens to backhand him at one point um, <laughs> and he like stands on his tail and he's like he's like a really harsh father and here he's although uh, Manila's not obviously in it that much you've got to actually look at the point that he's brought his son to essentially a beating it's like oh, yeah I mean he's got to learn somehow beat this monster up I mean, Godzilla for a lot of the battle um, is is just holding King Ghidorah. Like he's kind of like like letting the other monsters know, okay, your turn, Angulus. Okay, your turn, uh, Ronan. Like he's like letting everyone get like a hidden. Like all right, all right, come on, Gorosaurus, get him with the double kick. Like it's it's just it's just a slaughter, really. Yeah, I mean, obviously we discussed just uh, said about the the costume for Manila there. Um, I mean, would you prefer to have seen? seen Mothra in her more uh, sort of uh, adult stage as the giant moth rather than her sort of uh, pupil stage as the, the caterpillar that displays silly string on things. Oh, the larva form as yeah, opposed so. to the uh, the adult form? Uh, you know, I would, but it's kind of cool, in my opinion, to see a movie that, you know, the larva doesn't have to go to full Mothra form. Like, it's just basically baby Mothra. Mm. Uh, you know, I think it would be overkill if you had Mothra too. Yeah, I just, it's just when we've obviously got Spygrat and we've got Mothra, and their only ability seems to be to spray silly string on things. And you've got all these other monsters who've got these great abilities. You've got like King Dors doing the whole lightning thing. Godzilla's got his atomic breath, and Anglus has got his shit. I mean, Mothra, Mothra, larva form Mothra can like burrow and run into things, and it can swing its tail. So it's not like, it's not completely harmless. <laughs> and and worst comes the worst, it can go into the adult form. But it didn't even need to. That's this this battle was overkill. So um, 
And that's what I love about it, too, is that you know the outcome of this battle. I mean, at the very last scene, they're, you know, the announcer's kind of like, oh, who's going to be the first one to arrive? Oh, it, it, it's Minya. It's, like, it's, it's basically like a boxing match is about to happen. And then, like, that's when you see Varan, too. Like, he lands and, like, which, by the way, yeah, he's in the, for, if you still haven't seen it, he's only in the film for, like, a second. But it's, like, you see him, like, fly down. And uh, Baragon, at least you see his, like, his face, like, pop up. Like, I'm here. So, uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's just crazy, like, how they did it. Like, I, I, I just remember the first time I watched it, um, just, you know, really, like, this is this is awesome. Like, I didn't even care. And, and, and I used to have the debate all the time of, like, well, like, why did they need all those monsters to kick, you know, King Ghidorah's ass? Like, could it could have Godzilla, you know, because Godzilla's done that fight, you know, on his own too. So, uh, but I think it's a great send off. If that was really going to be the last film that they had planned, it was a spectacular idea. Yeah. I mean, was there any sort of monsters that you would have liked to have seen uh, in the series? Obviously, at this point in the series, there are sort of monsters that are still to be introduced, like Megalon having been introduced, um, Hidora. Um, and sort of like the later monsters, obviously like Space Gazora, uh, Space Godzilla and, and Destroyer uh, was certainly a long way off. Um, I mean, was there any sort of monsters from the Shara River that you would have liked to have seen that obviously didn't make an appearance? Hmm. Who I would have liked to have seen. Hmm. I know it's, it's not, it's, it's such a hard thing because most of them are pretty much there, so. I think because this movie was in space, I mean it's not necessarily related, but Dogura, who's like a like a space octopus, like if he had come down because they were in space and they had the moon theme too, like uh, Akira Fukube's like moon theme whenever they had the planet. So like just for overkill, if they had him come down and and kick King Ghidorah's ass too, I I would have been that would have even that would have been the icing on the cake for me. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess I I, I would uh, I would nominate uh, Dogra. Yeah, I mean the moon theme. Now you just mentioned it. it just always whenever I hear it, I always think of Captain Scarlet. <laughs> I don't <laughs> for some reason. I think because whenever they uh, had the Mistrons, uh, the also scary two green circles uh, go around. They had a, like a similar sort of theme there uh, to the moon theme that we obviously get in this film. But the score itself is is pretty easy. Is pretty iconic. Uh, obviously, we've got Godzilla's March, which opens it up, um, which again was sampled most iconically in uh, Fred Montage's Simon Says. And yeah. you hear those opening sort of chords, and you know exactly what you're getting. I mean, it has the best military theme of the whole series, so um, I, I can't complain. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say uh, Dogra. I mean, it would have been cool... If they had to throw in everything, because the thing is, some of my other favorite monsters don't come till after you were asking, like, who in that era would I want? But a lot of the 70s monsters I really like, like King Caesar and um, Smog Monster. But, of course, this movie was in 1968, so they hadn't they hadn't come around yet. Yeah. But uh, Atragon's another one. Like, that would have been really awesome to see, um, you know, the ship come out of the water and, I don't know, fire a missile or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I just I just try and think like who else could have joined this this beatdown? Who else could have kicked some ass? 
I mean, um, it, it is a bit one-sided. I mean, obviously, King Dor is an, is an intimidating opponent. Um, but it would have been kind of nice if he had some form of backup rather than just basically like, yeah, yeah, you handle this. I mean, but who who else is list, like, left on the, the list? I mean, you've got uh, Gorath, and, um, who's basically like a giant walrus. Um, I mean, he still could have helped out at least, but... Who's to say he wouldn't have joined in Godzilla's side? I mean, Godzilla's kind of intimidating, you know? Like, he, he shows up. You're not going to – everyone there's already fought Godzilla. They're not going to be like, oh, let me go let me go join you know, King Ghidorah's side. They want to they wanna be on the winner's side. So that's how I interpret that. Yeah. So. I mean, obviously, with this, this uh, sort of time of the series, um, it was basically Godzilla sort of like the defender of Earth. He wasn't – the Moradi monster he was when we first introduced him, and he certainly wasn't anything like his dark theme. I mean, the Shara series does obviously play it that Godzilla is like this defender of Earth. I mean, is this your favorite sort of interpretation of Godzilla, or do you prefer sort of the more darker Godzilla we saw in like the likes of Godzilla vs. Mothra, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah, those sort of later uh, movies? Um, you know, I, I actually really like this interpretation. Um, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, and, and within these interpretations, I mean, the series also had amazing miniatures. Um, so I, I, it's hard to say. I, I do like the 80s when they brought back Godzilla in, uh, you know, uh, was it 80, 84? No, 88. Uh, I'm trying to remember the year for, uh, for the Godzilla yeah, 84, Return of Godzilla. Uh, I love that interpretation. Um, but I, 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 something about it, I really love the Showa series. It's just fun. Um, and, you know, like, Ishiro Honda wanted to make movies that kids could enjoy, um, and parents too. So I, I think he was successful and uh, highly successful in that regard. I think so. I mean, certainly more so than when you look at uh, the Gamera series. Yeah. Um, who's supposedly friend to old children. Uh, which right. Which was, was kind of like a naff uh, tagline. Because um, he's obviously a giant space tail that breathes fire. Um, that and friend of old children, it, it always seemed like it's such a mismatch. And I mean, obviously... To just bring it up, obviously, uh, whenever you bring up like Gamera, I mean, would you like to see Godzilla pitted against Gamera? Um, I think every fan would, but the question is, you know, how would the studios uh, come to an agreement on how the fight would end? Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's the real the real trouble there. Because obviously, uh, Toho is Godzilla, and we've got Bandai who have Gamera. Um, I mean, certainly they're two worlds. There's a lot of great monsters either side. Um, maybe possibly they have like the worlds of uh, Toho versus the worlds of Bandai. Just throwing that um, idea out. I think uh, does Bandai own? Uh, I thought it was a uh, Kurokawa that owns um, Gamera, but um, I'm not. Because uh, yeah, it's it's Daie that used to own, um, and I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Kurokawa now Pictures is now the owner of um, Gamera. So it's not even it's not even Bandai. I mean that'd be an awesome idea if like Bandai creatures like creations could fight like the Godzilla world. That'd probably be a great 
a great movie and probably sell a lot of toys also. Um, <laughs> but yeah, right now that I think that it's only owned by um, Karakawa Pictures. Yeah, you're so right. um, they they might might not be hap- you know might not happen. I mean, it'd be cool. It'd be cool if they fought each other at first, and then maybe what they'd have to do is like, I don't know. Introduce King Ghidorah, so they both beat him up. I mean, King Ghidorah beats him again. <laughs> which I would be okay with. Maybe you could do Mecha King Ghidorah. I mean, that's the only next level. So, uh, Mecha, Mecha King Ghidorah is just a whole wonderful uh, new level to that character. Um, <laughs> obviously, we said before, Godzilla Final Wars is very similar to this film in the fact that it's just an excuse for lots of uh, kaiju smackdowns. Um, I mean, comparing the two, do you feel that, obviously, Godzilla Final Wars has the sort of advantage of having a broader back catalogue of monsters to work with? Um, I mean, would you say Destroyer Monsters I don't even, is still better? You know, I, I don't even like to compare the two. To me, I know that's such a cop-out thing to say, but I usually don't like to compare the Godzilla films to one another. I, I, I almost feel like it's unfair because each one is, is kind of its own iteration and as long as it stays true to the original like you know 1954 godzilla then i'm okay if they try and do too much within without you know beyond that then sometimes i kind of you know question a little but yeah it's it's hard to compare you know it's a different take you know if if you sat me down and and gave me a choice i'm gonna choose destroy all monsters but that, but that's because you know I'm biased, and you can tell by the way I'm talking. It just turns me into a little kid. So um, it, it, it's it's hard to say. I, I appreciate Final Wars for what it's done. I, I think the younger generation really loves Final Wars. Um, when I was at, uh, I was had the honor of going to G Fest this year to do a panel for Kaiju Gaiden, and it was interesting hearing that or overhearing the kids. When they were like talking about toys, I walked around the deals room and they seemed to be really obsessed with Final Wars. Like Final Wars was their jam. And, uh, you know, it's 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 different. That's that's all it is. It's, maybe it's just a, a, a different movie for a different generation. And if that gets them into the genre, then then more power to it. Yeah. I mean, is there anything that we that you think we haven't covered about this film? I know we've. Pretty much fanboyed there, out over it. So there's so much. Um, I think we've covered a lot, though. I mean, it, it honestly is to me the essential Godzilla movie. I mean, the villain is great. It's. I mean, she's basically like a Dusex Machina. Like she does whatever she wants. Um, mind controls people. Has a force field around her. Um, and they're good looking to boot. Like you're not really uh, really bored at all. <laughs> Yeah, you've you got something pretty to look at if you ever get bored of looking at monsters. Yeah, so I think it was a Kyoko I played the uh, Killock Queen. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of good uh, cast members in this film. Um, I, I And it feels – I like how they add the, the one um, – I think it was like Andrew Hughes who plays like Dr. Stevenson to give it like that, that international feel. So um, – it's, it's, it's yeah. I'm so glad that you said that because you just reminded me of the fact that uh, obviously in Godzilla Final Wars we have Stalin right um, which, which again I don't know if that's responsible for the series not continuing past there but 
Um, I mean, obviously, Godzilla Final Wars marked the end of Toho producing Godzilla movies for the moment. Uh, they've obviously passed the torch over to the Legendary, who've obviously just released recently released their first film. Um, I mean, would you like to see Toho doing coming back and doing more Godzilla movies, or do you think that they've sort of stretch it as far as they can really i definitely don't think they've i think they could go a lot further i think that um if if the fans can show them that there's interest um i know personally i i love gareth edwards um version of godzilla i have nothing wrong with it but in my heart i always have a love for the japanese version i want japanese godzilla you know godzilla is Japanese to me, yeah. like uh, the the style of filmmaking, um, the special effects. So, if it, it can be made that way, I'm happy. Um, it'd be great to see like something that's like a joint, uh, like two studios come together and make something. Um, that would be kind of like my my dream come true. Cool. Um, right. I mean, any sort of final thoughts on uh, Destroy Monsters before we uh, wrap up this one this evening? Um, final thoughts. I mean, is there anything uh, that you that you that you want to mention about uh, about this one? Uh, it's it's the probably my favorite film of the entire Godzilla series, and and that's saying something uh, considering how many films there are of Godzilla. And uh, if if you if you haven't watched in a while, just give it give it a rewatch, and I'm sure that a smile will come to your face. Um, it's awesome. That's all I can say about that movie. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's like to, like, as we like to do on the podcast here, uh, for further viewing, if you like Destroy All Monsters, I mean, what would be a good follow-up watch? Mm, if you like Destroy All Monsters and you like that, that style where all the monsters in, in play, um, uh, uh, Godzilla uh, Monsters All Out Attack is another one of my favorites. Um, and Baragon is actually in the film. So you can enjoy it for, for what it is the one film he's he actually doesn't just like appear for two seconds. He gets to come and kick some ass, too. So he, he joins the fight. Um, and, it, it, and, and that's another film that I, I thought was filmed brilliantly. The suits look amazing. Um, and once again, the, the score is fantastic. So I, w- I would recommend that if people go from Destroy All Monsters to GMK. And then maybe they can branch out based on what monsters they like and uh, kind of explore the genre. Yeah. Um, for myself, if uh, if you enjoyed this one, um, personally, I'm going to go with uh, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah as my uh, next uh, the next one to watch. Slightly darker in tone, um, but it does feature the one-off appearance, I would say, of Mecha King Ghidorah. Should I say? Obviously, the or I would recommend pretty much anything in the Shower series as they're all pretty light-hearted uh, affairs. And there's a nice mixture of monsters that are featured within the series without it obviously getting dark as it would become uh, with the later series, especially with the likes of Millennial series, uh, which saw it take on a much darker tone. Or if, uh, in particular, when it was uh, from, released from Godzilla 90, 1984 onwards, I would say it was just became a lot darker. Uh, but... If you want a light-hearted uh, things like from the Shadow series, things like Invasion of the Astro Monsters, um, again, is another great uh, one to follow it up with. 
Um, but that wraps up uh, another edition of the uh, podcast. I'd like to thank you, thank David Hall, uh, obviously, for coming on and talking not only about uh, Kaiju Gaiden, uh, which I believe is going to be out in 2015. Is that right? Yeah, we're looking at a release date of March. Um, you know, if you want to keep up with uh, what's going on with the film, um, get some behind the scenes, you know, go to our Facebook page, uh, Kaiju Gaiden. Uh, that's K A I J U G A I. D-E-N, and uh, we also have a website, kaijuguiden.com, and uh, Twitter and Tumblr as well. So I'm all over the internet. Uh, if you guys have questions, uh, yeah, please ask. And, and, and thank you for having me on again. No, uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, hopefully we'll get you on uh, again to talk about some more uh, kaiju movies and uh, maybe we'll look at some of the slasher films as well. Awesome. Yeah, I'd love that. Um, but again, thank you, uh, Dev, for coming on this evening. Um, until uh, next time, this is Edward Jones signing off and remind you, as always, to keep it strange. <laughs>